Welcome back to the Beaver's Edge podcast. Brendan Slaughter alongside Jared Hallis here previewing the Civil War for Oregon State football. Beavers set to take on the Ducks Saturday 1 o'clock with a bowl berth on the line. Again, welcome back to the Edge podcast. We've been on a bit of a hiatus lately, but Jared, we're back and ready to roll. Yeah, it's good to, good to finally be here. It was my first appearance. I know you guys did a good job back in the day, uh, but I'm, I'm happy to be here and I think we can get uh, some good things going. Moving ahead to the game this weekend, Oregon State coming off a very tough loss uh, against Washington State up on the Palouse. Jared, let's just kind of break down that game a little bit. To have a game like that where bowl eligibility is seemingly in your grasp and then to have it fall away in despair in just about the most dramatic way possible, what do you think is kind of the the state and how quickly do you think the team can kind of move on? Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to, to see that because – uh, all season long, Coach Jonathan Smith and, and the team itself has done a really good job of, of responding because you haven't really seen them piece together back-to-back-to-back wins or anything like that. It's kind of been they'll win one, they'll lose a close one, then they'll win another one. So I think he's done a good job uh, as far as that goes. But like you said, there was a lot on the line in that Washington State game, bowl eligibility, and obviously you have a lot harder opponent to play in Oregon next week. So it would definitely would be interesting to uh, to kind of see how the team responds. It's going to be exciting. As you mentioned, Oregon State having a tough challenge in Oregon this week. Oregon, of course, the playoff hopeful had their playoff home or hopes dashed last week as they kind of failed to show up down in Arizona State, and that kind of added a whole new level of intrigue to the Civil War, didn't it, Jared? Mm-hmm, absolutely, and it's really it's the same story for both teams. Just some some just had a little bit more on the line as far as Oregon goes with the playoffs, and. You know, it could be a thing where they come out deflated, and I think Oregon State will have a chance to kind of jump all over them, just to kind of catch them sleeping, still hung over from that from that last game against Arizona State. Uh, no, so I, it'll, it'll definitely be interesting. I think that's a tremendous point. You know, you look at that game for Oregon, and you know now the Ducks have are seemingly they're out of the college football playoffs. So that's not a possibility for them anymore. They've already clinched the Pac-12 North, and will go to the Pac-12 championship regardless of what they do against Oregon State. So at this point, they're playing for the Rose Bowl and to play spoiler to Utah's playoff hopes. So I think it is a very good point just to kind of examine and wonder what the state of that Oregon team is going to be. And on the flip side, you got Oregon State, who's coming off a very tough loss. So I think there's a lot to be said there about, you know, which team shows up, which team wants it more, which team is more focused right out the gate. And for me personally, the thing that I've kind of looked at um, from Jonathan Smith this year is that every time Oregon State's had a bad loss, whether it was close, whether it was, you know, lopsided, their response the following week has been impressive. Whether it was, you know, taking care of business against Cal Poly after losing to Hawaii, uh, upsetting Cal on the road after being bludgeoned by Utah the week before, beating UCLA after Stanford, or beating Arizona State after getting you know, manhandled by Washington. This Beaver team has responded in the face of adversity all year. Yeah, resiliency is definitely important. And when you have a team like Oregon uh, to play at the end of the season every single year, you you kind of have to be, especially with a with a Pac-12 schedule that, that Oregon State's seen heading into this game and coming off of this loss. They're going to have to be resilient, and they're going to have to flush that down the toilet. And it's, like I said, it's going to be very interesting to see if they're able to do that. Oregon obviously in the same boat as well, except like I said, a little more daunting with uh, with their playoff hopes kind of being diminished after that loss to Arizona State, which is a team that Oregon State beat the week before Washington State. 
So, uh, I mean, as far as everything goes, I really think that, that this could be a better game than people may uh, on the outside may seem. I'm uh, really excited to see how it all unfolds, especially with it being my first one. That's that's one of my favorite kind of uh, things to compare. If Team A beats Team B, does that mean Team A beats Team C? Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I love to look at that stuff and matchups and everything. And, you know, that's one of the things that we've been saying in a, a very popular discussion on the damn board this week at beaversedge.com has been, Maybe Arizona State and Herm Edwards, they provided the perfect blueprint for kind of stopping Oregon both offensively and defensively. You know, you look, Arizona State maintained time of possession very well. They established a strong running game with Eno Benjamin. So I look for Oregon State to try to do the same thing. Get Jamar Jefferson involved, get Artavis Pierce involved, and keep Justin Herbert and that high-powered Oregon offense on the sideline while trying to tire out the Oregon defense. I think that's the blueprint for success. On the topic of Justin Herbert as well, I'm a bit curious your take, being able to watch him a little more closely, just uh, geographically. Obviously, you get to watch a little bit more of the games than I do and things like that. He uh, he was very hyped up coming into this season. Not so much anymore kind of heading into this game. What do you think has been the problem with him? You know, <clears throat> Justin Herbert's one of those guys that you're, you're right. You know, he came here right out of um, Sheldon High School here in Eugene and um, a local kid and, you know, was relatively kind of or unknown and unrecruited before, you know, he was just kind of assumed he was going to Oregon and he did. And, you know, obviously burst onto the scene as a freshman. But the interesting thing about Justin Herbert is I don't, and this is just my opinion, I don't think he's ever had an offense that was perfectly suited for his skill set. And I still believe that to today. Um, you know, Oregon's had a bit of a mixed bag, you know, they had Willie Taggart there early, and then they went to Mario Cristobal, and um, they even had, you know, Mark Helfrich his freshman year, so, you know, there's there's a lot of move, there's a lot of moving pieces, and he's had multiple head coaches, multiple offensive schemes, and, you know, someone like Jake Luton can even relate, you know, this was the first year that Jake Luton in his college career had the same offensive coordinator and same head coach for two years, and he's thriving. Um, you know, you look at Justin Herbert, he's obviously atop a lot of NFL draft boards and a lot of people have him pegged as one of the top quarterbacks coming off the draft. Um, I think he has plenty of room to grow, but the physical tools are there. You know, maybe could he be, you know, um, a Ryan Leaf, a guy with all the physical tools, but doesn't, you know, shine at the next level? Possibly. But given the physical tools, you see why NFL scouts are drooling over him. Absolutely. You know, you, know, you a six foot five, 220 ish pound quarterback that's got a cannon arm, and he's fleet of foot. That's what you like to see. Yeah, absolutely. On paper, he's definitely the uh, the, the prototype that, that those guys are looking for. And just to, to point this out, I'm not trying to give anybody any bulletin board material. not saying he's not a good quarterback, but if uh, if, I, if it came down to it right now, man, I, I like Jake Luton a lot in this matchup. Well, how, how many touchdown passes do you have against Washington State? Five? Yeah, so Jake Luton threw five touchdowns against one pick for um, against Arizona State. And to be honest, I will. You know, Justin Herbert, he's going to be drafted high, and, you know, he's got all the specs, but I would take Jake Luton right now. I think Jake Luton's been a lot more careful with the ball this year, and you look at um, some of the issues that Justin Herbert's had in their kind of more dismal games this year. He hasn't been super accurate. He's, you know, threw a couple interceptions against Arizona State. So I think if Oregon State can create pressure and be able to, you know, make him off, or, you know, force him off his spots, make him a little uncomfortable, they were able to do that during his freshman year, the last time Oregon State won the Civil War back in 2016, and they were able to control the clock, have a strong run game, and keep the Oregon offense on the sideline. 
The last two years, it's been the exact opposite where Oregon State's defense couldn't stop Oregon at all and couldn't stay on the field offensively. So given the nature of how the last two Civil Wars have been lopsided, very ugly in the favor of Oregon, I think Oregon, these seniors at Oregon State, I think they're going to have a lot of pride to come out and, and battle. And, you know, you look at um, a guy like Jake Luton, who, you know, this is his first you know, Civil War where he's had a full year of experience and, you know, moxie under his belt. He hadn't been healthy for a full year Mm -hmm. prior to this. So, like you said, a lot of very interesting aspects and pieces to this game. This for sure. But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, quarterback-wise, I've been impressed with what Jake Luton's brought to the table. Absolutely. There's a lot of storylines heading into this game, and it's going to be really fun to kind of watch it unfold. There's a lot to play for still for both teams. It's just going to come down to who wants it more, if, it, if it's going to be Oregon who, who wants, like you said, to play for that Rose Bowl, or if it's going to be Oregon State who's, who's fighting for eligibility in year two of what's been a you know just immaculate rebuild from, from Coach Jonathan Smith and his staff. And, and you're already kind of seeing it pay off as far as the recruiting trail goes. And, and just while we're talking about this game, don't have a list yet, but I'm sure there's going to be a lot of eyes on this football game next Saturday. No, you, you, you're absolutely correct there. And I just want to bring up one thing you said, and that was just kind of talking about it. You know, from a from a 10,000-foot view, Jared, is there are we running out of adjectives to describe how impressive and how quickly Jonathan Smith got this program turned around? Absolutely. I mean, you want to be as neutral as possible, but it really has been nothing short of incredible. And, and people, there's going to be the naysayers out there. And obviously, you'll probably hear some things. Some Oregon State fans will go back and forth with Oregon fans this week about how, you know, Oregon's in this position where they're fighting to play in the Rose Bowl, whereas Oregon's just Oregon State is just trying to make a bowl game. But they're in two completely different phases right now. And the momentum that Oregon State has, I've said it on, on the board at Beaver's Edge before, is just it's so it's so big and it's so important. So if they can carry this on, there's no telling what this could turn into in a year or two's time. It's just, it's just been very impressive to kind of in year one see see the kind of changes that have come in year two. It's really, really nothing short of like you said, I'm running out of adjectives to describe it. It's it's no. it's amazing. It really is. And, and you know the I mean the thing of it is is you know you'll never hear you'll never hear Jonathan Smith or any one of his staff members ever take any of the credit, right? They're they're so they're so humble and how they, you know, and they're they're all about the players and you know the players have done this, the players, you know, and, and you love to see that. But when you take a step back and you realize Jared, you obviously weren't around the program at the time, but when you just looking back and Oregon State like Oregon State, the program was basically left for dead at the end of the 2017 season. Arguably, it was a slightly better job than Kansas in terms of the Power Five, maybe Rutgers, but it wasn't, you know, like you didn't know what was going to happen next with this program. So Oregon State goes and hires one of its own in Jonathan Smith, who coming off a a coordinating season, you know, at the um, at one of the you know best runs in Washington football history. And to have him come in, have a plan to execute and see the plan be executed this quickly, I mean, truth be told, Oregon State, even just in Jonathan Smith's first year, was getting blown off the field in every which direction. But yet here in year two, we're seeing a team that's on the cusp of a bowl game. And, you know, mm-hmm. given how, how long and how, um, you know, struggled Oregon State football has been since really the end of the Mike Riley days, um, Jonathan Smith deserves all the credit in, in the world. And, and, you know, that's why I said if, if, 
Oregon State had gotten a couple other games to go their way, he would win coach of the year. Yeah, certainly. And there's there is some games prior to to now at the beginning of the season that I think if they got the chance to play again, they probably would pull out the the win just as they've kind of grown as a team. You could see the progressions they've made every single week. So there's some teams maybe kind of looking at you, Hawaii, maybe even Stanford right now that I think (laughs) they probably could have come out on top in in those games. And really, like you said, they've been they've been they haven't been beaten and battered in any game aside from Utah, which is a team that's still contending to play in the playoffs right now. So, I mean, aside, aside from that game, it's been really, really impressive to, to watch every single week, just see them battle on every single snap with some of these teams that were beating them by 30-plus points just the year before. No, and, 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 you know, you mentioned that a big part of why Oregon State's been able to be, you know, so much more impressive this year has been, you know, the emergence of a much more improved defense, a defense that has the ability to get tackles for loss and sacks, and that comes from outside linebacker Hamaka Rashid, who has just been a monster this season. Jared. Talk about someone else who, you know, you have, you know, running out of adjectives to describe. Yeah, absolutely. However, this last game against Washington State, in the practices leading up, Rashid actually injured his left hand and was sporting a club, almost like a J.J. Watt-looking club, on his mm. left hand. And for the first time all season, he did not record a single defensive statistic against Washington State and noticeably that's why you know you saw Anthony Gordon be able to throw for 600 or some yards the Beavers were not able to get that same kind of pressure without Rashid you know talk to Tim Tibisar during this week he said last week you know leading up to that Washington State game Rashid had tried a different cast or brace on every single day during practice trying to find something that worked he didn't find something that worked until like moments before the Washington State game and then obviously had a tough time struggling getting with it, but he's going to have to play with that club again this week against Oregon. And I think his status, how quickly, how good he can get after the passer, not being able to put both hands on guys, that could be crucial to whether or not the Beavers are able to get enough pressure on Herbert to make him uncomfortable. Certainly. That'll definitely be just another one of the storylines that we seemingly keep on adding to this game. It's uh, it's going to be fun. And just like you said, kind of from a 10,000 foot view, being all the way, where I am from the outside looking in, sort of, it's been really impressive. And I, that guy has just flown under the radar so much. You have guys like Isaiah Hodgins who are, are getting well-deserved recognition for what they're doing on the field. And it just kind of, it's, it's kind of a bit crazy to see that, that, uh, that Hamilcar is not getting that same stuff because I mean, the guy has just been a force to be reckoned with on the defensive side of the ball and the centerpiece of what looks like a brand new team this, this year. No, I mean, really, him being unleashed and unlocked, I mean, you know, um, Oregon State fans were probably hoping that this would be the kind of player that they would be able to have once Tim Tibisar came over. I mean, when you, Tibisar, you know, when he was at Wisconsin, put guys like Joe Schobert, TJ Watt in the NFL from Wisconsin, so obviously he's got some talent for identifying an outside linebacker, and, you know, if Rashad keeps up, you know, the way he is, there's no reason you can't see a, a very productive NFL career in his future. Certainly. And like 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 I said earlier, you're definitely seeing it pay off as far as the recruiting trail goes. Got a, got a lot of guys kind of starting to turn their head a little bit and some big time targets saying, hey, maybe they really are turning this thing around. You know, when we, we message people after they get they get their wins on the weekends, we'll ask them, hey, what was your thoughts on on the game this weekend? And even even from guys that that are having to pay attention to, you know, tens, 20s programs at a time. There's still a bunch of kids saying, hey, maybe they really are turning this thing around. And it's hard not to take notice 
of what's going on in Corvallis right now. And, you know, Jared, you mentioned that. We'll go ahead and use that as a nice segue to transition over to recruiting. I just kind of want to ask your thoughts on this is, you know, again, Jared Hallis, BeaversEdge.com recruiting analyst. Jared does everything. Oregon State recruiting go-to source. I guess from my perspective, what is what do you think the impact is of Oregon State winning so many road games in such fertile recruiting grounds, mm-hmm. like going into UCLA? knocking off UCLA in big-time fashion in front of thousands at the Rose Bowl, right? Then you go down to Berkeley, San Francisco, another real hotbed recruiting area that Jonathan Smith likes on the West Coast. Even then going down to Arizona and Tucson, not necessarily the Phoenix area, you know, Chandler, but Oregon State's got a nice pipeline in Arizona. Sure. What do you think that says kind of in year two that Jonathan Smith can kind of show up and be like, hey, you know, this is what I can do on the, you know, this is what we can do in terms of like recruits going, wow, that that's Oregon State. They came and beat my hometown team. Yeah, I, I wrote about this back in October, kind of after they beat Cal, because that was, you know, the win over UCLA and the win over Cal. It's, it's crazy because you mentioned photo recruiting ground. It does not get much better than the state of California, nope. which isn't necessarily the backyard of Oregon State, but it's a neighbor state. And it's 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 kind of where you want a, a good part of your class to come from. And right now they're doing a really, really good job recruiting that state. And, and while I'm not ready to say that that's because of the, the on-field results, because somebody did make a good point. Like you go and you lose a game to Utah. Does that mean you're not going to pull any any recruits from the state of Utah? No. But when you have visitors come into those games to check out a school like Cal or USC or UCLA or something like that, and Oregon State comes in there and is able to, to pull out the win, it does certainly open their eyes and say, hey, maybe I want to get to Corvallis. And I think right now they're sitting at nine commits from the state of California in this class out of 15. So that alone, like I said, you want a good recruiting class, look no further than the state of California. So they're doing a really good job pulling in some talent from, from there right now. How big of it do you think it is that Jonathan Smith is a Pasadena, California native? How much can he sell that on the recruiting trail in addition to the fact that most of these coaches are all West Coast ties. You know, you look at, you know, some of these, you know, I mean, even just looking back to the previous coaching regime, you know, they didn't have a lot of ties to the West Coast or a lot of ties to like Oregon State or ties right. to, you know, being locals. You know, Jonathan Smith, you know, being able to obviously his storied career, but still being a California native and not really ever leaving the West Coast, you know, as far east as he went, I believe was Montana. You know, so I'm sure that does a lot for, um, you know, a kid that probably was familiar with kids that were familiar with Jonathan, you know, when he was, you know, Chris Peterson's quarterback coach all the way to where he is now. Certainly. It absolutely does. You'll see me say it on on Beaver's Edge a million times. Relationships are everything in recruiting. And that is 100 percent the truth. Like I've said before, there's there's different factors that have different ways for different players. But overall, relationships you'll always hear a kid talk about I just want to feel like a second home I want to feel fit so to have a guy who's from California to be able to go into that state and say hey man I'm from here too I can tell you right now that Corvallis is the place to be it's got to be comforting for those kids and and like I said you're seeing it pay off already uh in this in the second recruiting class in terms of the Beavers being hot on the recruiting trail lately Jared they picked up a couple guys recently the most recent of course being a Servite tight end Jake Overman, kind of surprised, I wouldn't say surprised us all, but I would say we were all kind of at least considering the possibility that Washington was going to come in and kind of steal him away, but yet he comes to Oregon State. 
joins up with Tommy Spencer, the fellow tight end in the class, and you know, with um, Isaiah Smalls moving on from the program recently, there's an open spot at tight end. You have to figure this tight end recruiting class, you know, arguably to make the case it might be the best in the Pac-12 in terms of raw athletes. Yeah, there's gonna there's gonna be some head turns for sure, and, and both guys are pretty underrated guys in my opinion, as far as just their their recruiting ranking goes. And Jake Overman's a, a big body kid, Tommy Spencer, a big body kid. They're both very athletic, a little bit raw right now, but most kids are out of high school. As soon as they get in, get some coaching under Coach Wozniak, you're going to see them turn some heads in the Pac-12. There's no doubt about it. But uh, just as far as, as the recruiting trail goes, you saw me mention it a few times on the board. I, I always tried to keep a little bit of a soft spot because I, I could feel it. Every time I would talk to Jake, it just seemed like the coaches were doing such a great job recruiting him. And, and I know Coach Wise and Coach Smith were his main recruiters. And so for him, for them to be able to you know, kind of bring in a guy like that over the likes of Washington – or Utah, or UCLA, which he, or sorry, Cal, which he had offers from all of those schools. Some of those schools are competing, like I said, for, for a playoff spot right now. For them to be able to go in there, pull him out of there, and bring him to Corvallis, and him to say, this feels like home. That sends a message to other recruits. And it's going to open, it's going to open some eyes, I'm telling you. It's going to be fun. Definitely something to keep track of at Beaver's Edge. And, and I, I just, I have to mention it because you have to figure that if you were the Oregon State recruiting staff, you were probably just like, like a kid at Christmas when you saw Jake Overman's dad go on Twitter and basically hype up Oregon State, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I said, mean, relationship like for everything. Through the hallways being like, oh, my goodness. I mean, that's that's like exactly what you would want. Right. It's something that you can't ask for, but when you see it, you just can't help but get so excited because stuff like that is, is just something that they, they're, the family's going above and beyond. And the guy's been committed for, you know, he, he committed on Sunday. Today we're recording this on a Wednesday. So for for that family to already be going out and preaching the word of Jonathan Smith in Oregon State, it's uh, it's it's really cool to see, and I, I think it could pay dividends down the line. Yeah, I mean, you you just you can't like you said, you can't you know those those things you know obviously they can't be forced. So when it does happen, you kind of take note, and you're kind of like, wow, you know, this could be you know that moment you kind of circle as you know when coaches start to get recruiting classes, and you know in a lot of ways, Jared, I think you'll agree with me. You know, this Oregon State class isn't you know, the highest ranked by any means, but it fills just about every hole they have on the roster right now. Sure. It fills they, a lot of holes. And with what they have, you know, a, they have a strong nucleus of players already. You know, they have a good nucleus. They just need more depth and a little bit more, you know, specialized talent and depth. I think they've done a great job with that this class so far. Sure. Yeah, there's definitely been a, a feel that there's kind of been an approach towards this class that, you know, they, they have their, their guy in mind. And they're going to recruit that guy relentlessly. And you've seen it pay off in a lot of ways with guys like Benjamin Branson, who had a great year for Newberry Park this year. The Juco route, they've really surprised a lot of people with that. I mean, you add just about every player in the secondary in this 2019 class or sorry, 2020 class has come from from a junior college. Both defensive linemen and Tavis Shippen and, and Alex Limit are from from junior colleges. So they've definitely taken a unique approach. And uh, it's really, really fun to watch them kind of do that and as far as the transfer portal goes as well oh my gosh yeah they transfer portal you right now i just i've said it for a while i think um i think that's where it's a real real benefit that i would say outside of maybe two or three coaches everyone on oregon state staff is a millennial jared and <laughs> i i just i think i think in a lot of ways you know you look at you know i i compare it a little bit to what um 
Coach Cristobal, you know, did with his staff and Eugene. And, you know, I know it's a poor comparison because it's really close. And Beaver fans will probably roast me over the stakes for it. But <laughs> I think right now you're, you know, um, it's invaluable if you like we all know what sells to 18 to 22 year old kids right now. Right. It's it's, you know, the glitz, it's the gland, it's it's, um, you know, wanting to have a, a place where they can land and go play. And I just think these these Oregon State coaches have just maybe attacked it with a much better way than other coaches have. I think Jonathan Smith and his staff know that they're already at a disadvantage in a lot of ways when it comes to recruiting, and they see this as a great equalizer. You know, I mean, coming into the year, I mean, a guy like, you know, looking at the, the biggest prize so far, Charles Moore. Jared, I mean, you'll back me up on this. A guy like Charles Moore doesn't usually consider Oregon State. A guy from, you know, the South with multiple SEC offers, he's not going to consider Oregon State. But because of circumstances, because of, you know, the way that you can get in and out of the portal quickly, because of how way, how good relationships can be made over social media and whatnot now, Oregon State's now established themselves as kind of a place where, power five talent that maybe didn't have the start that they wanted can come and play because the Beavers need bodies. You know, you look at Addison Gums, you look at Avery Roberts, and now you look at a guy like Charles Moore. Those are big time talents that like you wouldn't normally expect the Beavers to get, but the portals allowed them to do it. So I'm, I'm of the notion, Jonathan Smith, they want, they might want to trademark transfer transfer portal. You. I agree. Things like that, you need to market. And it's good that, that a lot of people have kind of started to do that for them on social media and things like that, because it, it turns heads and recruits like seeing stuff like that, because that they'll know that even if even if it's them one day in that position where they go to a big time school and they find that, you know, maybe this isn't the star I was looking for. Oregon State has a lot to offer. You'll have a chance to go in there and compete at, right now. At least there's a chance to get in there for a guy like Charles Moore to go in there and compete for playing time right away and, you know, really play big time football ball without having a million eyes on him in the state of Alabama playing for, for the university of Auburn or Auburn university. Sorry. So, I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, something that, like you said, they, they might need to trademark because you can see a lot more big names heading to Corvallis by way of the transfer portal. It's not necessarily the transfer portal, but you mentioned it. So I just have to highlight it. And it's sure. what Corvallis can offer for you. And mm-hmm. I love that because you know, who, who said that basically that exact words was Brandon Cooks when he was basically talking to Zariah Beeson before he committed to Oregon State. And as I recall, moving back to when Beeson's commitment was earlier this summer, basically, you know, he had kind of linked up with Brandon Cooks, and Brandon Cooks was just kind of like, Oregon State is a fantastic place for you to go and focus on nothing but school, football, and growing as a man, Right. And you're not going to have those distractions. You know, you're going to be able to go in and you will get noticed. And I'm living proof of that. (laughs) So, you know, I think that's a tremendous sell. And I think it's a big reason why Isaiah Hodgins probably came here a couple years ago. You know, Isaiah Hodgins probably could have went anywhere in the country. You know, he had, you know, he was had some big time offers, including Washington State and Oregon. Mm -hmm. And he committed to Oregon State off a four and eight season. Right. So, you know, that I think, you know, that says a lot about, you know, the fit. And the town and Oregon State was able to get some decent guys previously just because of, you know, that that fit and how Corvallis is kind of isolated and can provide student athletes a really great way to work on their game, grow as individuals and prepare themselves for the NFL. Absolutely. And I hear it a million times when, when talking to recruits, both, I mean, in the class of 2020 and 
as they start to extend now all the way out to the class of 2022, you'll hear a lot. If, if you talk to a guy that's been there before, they'll be the first to tell you Corvallis is a really cool town. And you see it, you know, you see it ranked as far as like all these fan sites go, as far as, uh, you know, best college towns go. Usually Corvallis will have a mention in there. And while that may seem not like a big deal, it really is because these kids are deciding where they're going to spend the next and the biggest chapter of their life to that point. So for, for Corvallis to be the town that it is and for the staff to be selling it, the way they are, it's a uh, like I said, man. You're definitely seeing it pay off already. Yeah, absolutely. Again, Brendan Slaughter, Jared Hallis here on the Edge podcast, back recording just prior to the Civil War game coming up on Saturday. Just want to wish everyone out there a happy Thanksgiving as well. As you know, the Civil War always comes just a couple days after Thanksgiving. I'm kind of happy it's not on Friday this year and on Saturday um, this year. But you know, just looking, getting back to the game itself, Jared. Um, just kind of what are some of your early thoughts on the contest? We're going to save our predictions for our staff predictions later this week at Beaver's Edge. Um, but just what are some early thoughts you have? Yeah, so like we touched base on a little bit earlier, I think there's a, there's a lot of storylines to this game. There's some things that are that are on the line, some, some more important than others. But uh, it's going to come down to, I mean, just like every other game, it comes down to who wants it more. And in this case, who who's going to be, you know, less hungover in a sense, maybe who's going to come out with that fire that's, you know, hey, we didn't just lose that game last week or we're not going to think about the game we just lost like last week. Instead, we're going to focus on the, the task at hand, which in Oregon State's case is, is getting bowl eligible, which which I know, uh, you know, everybody's rooting for just because of the, the history of the program as far as the past, you know, three, four years ago. That's a big deal for these guys and for the seniors coming in there. It's a big deal for them, too. And Oregon's already has that. So it, it's going to be fun as far as the prediction goes. Like like you said, we're going to save it for later. <laughs> but I do think this game's going to be closer than, than a lot of people expect. And, you know, I, I'll say this. I, uh, I I think Oregon State's going to surprise some people this weekend. I think they're going to jump out on uh, on Oregon. And, uh, you know, yeah, like I said, I'll just leave that surprising people. We'll, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, it's going to be – You know, for, for me personally – um, it can't like just as I kind of was rolling through some of the last civil wars in my head, the optimistic thing, you know, for me as I'm headed to Eugene is it can't be any worse than when Oregon State was beat 69 to 10 the last time I went to Eugene for the civil war. So, so um, and then the two years prior, you know, back in 2015, Oregon State played a really good Oregon team and that was Gary Anderson's first year and they played unbelievably well only lost by 10 points nearly came back from a crazy first half deficit and if you look back at history Oregon State hasn't been super competitive in Eugene you know when it comes to you know civil wars by the year the last time they won in Eugene obviously 2007 James Rogers with the famous fly sweep and then Oregon State stopping future NFL running back Jonathan Stewart on fourth and one uh, to win back in 2007, the Beavers have not won an Autzen since then, but have come very close 2009, 2013, even 2015. And you look back at when Oregon State and Oregon have both had competitive teams, the results have usually been closer. So I, I don't think it's it's uh, the home team has a huge advantage in this game. And I think a lot of that's kind of neutralized because Jonathan Smith um, and his group, they, they simply put Jared, they play better on the road. Like they're, oh, that's facts. That's yeah, they're facts. Still that right now. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I think that'll help. I think it'll help them with kind of 
getting over the Washington State emotions a little bit compared to Oregon, who, you know, they're coming home and they'll obviously be hungry and ready to, you know, prove that the, you know, they, they dropped a game they shouldn't have dropped last week, but it's a civil war. You know, there's always some excitement. There's always intensity on both sides. And uh, in terms of what I'm thinking about the game, I- I'm with you. I think it's going to be closer than expected, but check back to edge later in the week for uh, for my prediction, because I, I think it's going to, I think every factor, um, whether or not Hamaka Rashid is at 100%, um, whether or not, you know, Oregon State's, you know, um, receiving core is, you know, if everyone's healthy, you know, you got Trayvon Bradford coming back, whether or not the defensive line is able to get pressure on Herbert, you know, there's a lot of factors, but I, I agree with you. I think there's a really good chance we could see this be a close game. I'm very excited for, like I said, my first one being uh, being on the side here at Beaver's Edge. So it's going to be really, really cool for me to hopefully be able to watch it. Um, and I think it's going to be a really, really fun game. Well, that'll do it for our first podcast back here, the Edge podcast. Uh, working title, go ahead and head, over, head on over to beaversedge.com if you have any suggestions. We're going to be holding some open tryouts, so to speak. And then just one last uh, one last thing uh, for me, Jared. What are your Thanksgiving plans, my man? Um, you know, probably the same as most people is going to hang out with some family and uh, eat a lot more food than I should. Probably watch some some NFL football and just uh, just enjoy the day. Yeah, no kidding. There's definitely uh, a couple pretty good games on and then kind of get ready for the whole weekend. Um, again, make sure to check on out uh, over to beaversedge.com. We got a great holiday picket sale going right now. Jared, is there really a better place where you can go get great Oregon State coverage and get free gear? It's essentially, I mean, when you think about it, it is essentially a free membership, which, by the way, if, if it wasn't, it's still well worth the money, but it's essentially free in the sense that you sign up, you can get forty nine fifty to the Rivals Fan Shop, which allows you to buy, you know, team gear, accessories, clothes for for whatever team you want. It doesn't have to be specific to the site you subscribe to. Or you can do the the seventy five Adidas promo code where you get a seventy five dollar card for Adidas. You don't even have to give football related things or, or college related things at all. So it's uh it's an amazing deal. It's in my opinion the best one we've seen yet. I know they ran the Adidas one not too long ago. And now to have the option to do both, it, it's it's pretty crazy and it's very well worth the deal. Hopefully we'll uh, we'll see some of you some of you listeners on the site here soon. Yeah, absolutely. And again, there's never been a better time to join Beaver's Edge. You know, Jonathan Smith, the optimism around Oregon State's football program is growing. We've got basketball content coming up. We'll get into that in our future podcast. But obviously, Wayne Tinkle, Scott Ruick squads off to fantastic starts here in the 1920 season. Uh, both those teams looking primed to make some big runs this year. Uh, sky could be the limit for either one of them. And then we've also got baseball starting up. And perhaps most importantly, National Signing Day coming up in December. Oregon State with a chance to ink another really strong class under Jonathan Smith. So you're going to want to be at beaversedge.com for all of that access. So again, for Jared Hallis, I'm Brendan Slaughter signing off on the Edge podcast. Have a happy Thanksgiving and enjoy that Civil War on Saturday, folks.